Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Ephesians 5.20 says something that is almost sounds absurd to the human mind. And that is always giving you thanks for all things, God. Always giving you thanks for all things. We know you don't bring evil, God, but we know you work everything for our benefit, according to Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those that love you, God, and are called according to your purpose. Lord, humans go through it, and you knew we would. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Be encouraged because I have overcome the world, he said. Just raise those hands tonight and close those eyes and know that God is fighting for you. He more than loves you. He proved it with the cross. And his plan for you is beautiful. We don't understand everything. I'm not saying we understand everything. And that's the beauty of praising God in all situations is saying, God, I don't get it. I'm heartbroken. I don't understand everything, but I trust you. I can't figure all this out. The tragedy of life, the disappointments, the heartbreak. But I know you're faithful, God, and I know you are good because Scripture says you're good and you have a track record with us. We know you're good because you gave your life for us. We know you're good because you keep your promises. We know you're good because your word is good. And the fruit of the Spirit that we're taught about in the New Testament it's good, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, all these things. Lord God, we know you are faithful and you are good. We don't have to understand everything to know that you are planning something good for us, even in the midst of it all. We trust you tonight. We trust you tonight. I'm talking to someone this evening and know this. Everybody goes through seasons of doubt. Don't you give up. We're going to have times where we, we doubt things that God has said. But you just turn around and start believing. You believe, you believe, you believe. You decide to believe. Decide to put him first. Decide to keep serving him. Decide to be faithful. God is faithful, and he's called us to be faithful. Sticking with it. Be consistent. Stay with it. Lord, we honor you tonight. We praise you tonight. We can't control everything. And that's the beauty of praising you, is we know that you have the power and the might to take care of and do what needs to be done. We're going to let you be God, even if we don't get it. We don't understand it all the time. We're just not going to. We can't control everything. But we have surrendered control of our lives to you, Lord. We trust you tonight. We praise you tonight. We worship you tonight, Father. We give you the glory. Through it all, we thank you, Father. Through it all, we trust you. Just begin to talk to the Lord for a moment. Activate your faith by just praising Him. Just thank Him. Be, be thankful. Say, what's the big deal about that? Well, it deals with your attitude. deals with your heart. 
It activates joy and faith. We'll get into more of this this Sunday. But God, we honor you and we thank you, even for the things we don't understand. You're working on us. You're working on our situations. You're working on everything that pertains to us. We trust you and we believe your word. We believe your word, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just speak to the Lord for a minute. Maybe times have been so busy and hectic and frustrating. Growing up, we called it the rat race. <laughs> like rats running through a maze sometimes. Just things run. Everything's running and going at the same time, trying to catch our breath. Just slow down and just worship Him tonight. We praise you, Father. We take this moment to say thank you. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you for all the good things you've done. Thank you for all the things we didn't understand or still don't understand. We thank you anyway because we praise you. We know you have a purpose, a plan, a design for our lives. And you're working everything for our benefit. You're working all things together for our good. For those that love those that love you and are called according to your purpose. We praise you tonight, God. We praise you and we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Let me just encourage you as you look up. Remember, God's not done. You're still alive. Man, some of you got here. Some of you should be dead. I'd, I'd say most of us should be dead. The wrecks we've walked away from, the, the heartbreak, the man. What you've been through would have finished off some other people, but here you are. Things you've had to climb over or go around or dig under or break through, and here you are. You're a miracle. I need you to realize that tonight. You are a miracle. I don't know who needs to hear that. God's not done. Just trust him. Just trust him and praise him. Go ahead and say hi to somebody tonight if you would, and then we'll get into the word together. I'll, I'll give you some good news. So I'm just going to talk about it because God's faithful. I mentioned it in staff meeting today. So we just had a big expenditure with, with some plumbing. You know, those of you who know much about plumbing, you don't have to know a lot about plumbing to know that if, if pipes start leaking under your concrete slab, you're in trouble, Right? So God's good, because first of all, somebody told me, man, that is the best possible place in your house it could have leaked. It was between the garage and the laundry room. So that was a miracle. Then you start talking to the plumber, and they go, hey, it'll be a little cheaper if we start cutting the slab, but then you may spring another leak. And I got advice from older people and wiser people, and I said, nah, just reroute the plumbing. Don't, don't start cutting the slab. And so we did that. And as you know, prices are up on everything. So it was very, very expensive. Well, we did a, we got it financed, same as cash, right? Big dollar amount, big payment per month to pay it off in a year so that it's the same as cash and no interest. I just started praising God over it. I said, Lord, I thank you. I know you're the author of good. I just started praising God over it Saturday afternoon. God was speaking to me. I read a Joyce Meyer article. I got inspired. Just started praising God, spending time in his presence. Sunday night, someone tells me, hey, not to get into your business, but you guys are spending a lot of money on that plumbing. We heard about that. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
they said, and they kept wanting to meet with me. I said, huh, okay. So we sat down and we we're talking and they said, you know what? We want to match what you're paying per month. So you pay it from the front end. We're going to help you pay it off from the back end. See if we can cut it down to pay this thing off in six months instead of a year. I said, well, praise God. I mean, that, and that, you know how, it, I don't know how y'all are, but sometimes you get an unexpected thing and it punches you in the stomach. Like, oh, I feel responsible for this. How are we going to do this? But God is concerned about details of your life. Can somebody say amen? He cares about the details of your life, and God is with you. He hasn't forgotten about you. Just praise Him. We're going to talk about that on Sunday, just praising God. We had a fun time in staff meeting today talking about that. Praising God about the stuff you don't understand. Say, God, I know you didn't do evil stuff, but I know that you're going to work this out. And I'm going to just praise you because I don't get it all. I can't control it. I can't force it. Scripture says not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So anybody else have some good news? Don't let me be the only one. I mean, you can. I'll be okay with that. But anybody else? Good news? Anything at all? You made it on a Wednesday. You're right. You're right. Because you don't always come on Wednesdays. And that is cool, sis. Welcome on a Wednesday. I think that's great news. Great news. Anybody else? And then we'll get into the Word. We're starting a new book tonight. So, all right. Well, let's get into it. We start 1 John tonight, chapter 1, verse 1. Those of you new to the Wednesday night service, it is a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter, book-by-book Bible study. So we finished Jude last week, and previous to that, we finished what? Finished Romans, didn't we? So we did Acts before that and Romans. I think I think Acts and Romans took a year each. I don't know. <laughs> or almost. It was a long time. So here we go. I don't think we'll be in 1 John for a year, but it's only got five chapters. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. This is beautiful. I want you to listen carefully. This is by John the Apostle, right? Some call him John the Divine. John the Beloved, the Apostle of Love. He's the guy who wrote the book of Revelation. So remember... In Jesus' life and ministry, you had the crowds, right? Then you had the 70. Remember the 70 he sent out to cast out demons? And then after the 70, you had the 12, right? The 12 disciples. And then within the 12, there was Peter, James, and John who were always hanging out with Jesus, right? There's levels of closeness. And then of Peter, James, and John, Scripture says that John would lay his head against the chest of Jesus. Many scholars believe he was a teenager, I mean, he just took Jesus as his second father, I guess. He just, he was right there. And it's amazing of all the apostles, he lived to be the oldest. He was the closest to Jesus. So, very unique life. And in his book, the book of John, not 1 John, but the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, he always refers to himself as the apostle or as the disciple who Jesus loved. So, hey, I mean, he's not being proud. He's just given the facts. He was closest to Jesus. All right? So there's levels of closeness. So we have, someone say we have. We have an eyewitness account here. He begins his epistle, 1 John, with an eyewitness account of Jesus. Now, let me give you some background um, real quick before we get into this. The New Testament, I find this ironic because people go, oh, Jesus didn't ever exist. And they just say that because they heard something stupid and they're quoting it. Well, if he did exist, he died and he didn't raise a, rise from the dead. And others say, I mean, people have said some crazy stuff. They're like, he existed, he died, but they whipped him and they crucified him. 
he passed out and they thought he was dead and he never died and then he woke up and then they no he died and rose again there's eyewitness the scripture says there was 500 who saw him alive after he was verified dead so this is powerful here's another powerful thing about the new testament and the gospels another reason we know it's true back in the day especially among the ancients you didn't write negative things about yourself in your story i'm going somewhere so we believe historically that mark right he was a disciple of peter and peter talked negatively about himself in the in in this gospel that he he gave to mark because he was an eyewitness right he talked about i mean he talked about himself betraying the lord and everything else and people don't do that that's another reason we know that that or they didn't do that at this time two thousand years ago people spoke negatively of themselves the disciples are writing this book saying yeah we struggled with our faith yeah we argued yeah jesus was saying he was going to jerusalem to be crucified and we start looking at each other going hey who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of god they're unflattering accounts. Another reason we know they're true, and another way we know they're true is they're done from different perspectives. People go, they don't all add up. No, they do, and they're all true. You can prove it just by going through it saying, no, this is just from a different perspective. If they were all exactly the same, you guys ever watch murder mysteries and everybody that was part of the murder or part of the scam or part of the bank robbery, and they're all using the exact same words? You go, uh-oh, they rehearsed this. They're lying. They got their stories straight. Now, these guys got their stories straight, but from different perspectives in the Gospels. So, of all ancient manuscripts, I'm going to get in the Word, I promise. Of all ancient manuscripts, would you believe that the New Testament has the most surviving manuscripts of all ancient manuscripts? Over 25,000. Many of the eyewitness accounts were written 20, 30 years after the life of Jesus. We've got historical documents now written about the Greeks and written by the Greeks that were written 1,300 years after the fact, and we say, oh, those are historical fact. We have documents that were written right after Jesus died and rose again. And there's 25,000 ancient manuscripts. And you know what their accuracy is? close to 98% or more. Just little words and differences, no doctrinal differences. Amazing the way God has pre pre preserved the New Testament for us. And we know it's true and we believe. Now, I said all that to say, John is another proof. He's an eyewitness account, all right? So, look at what he says. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. Who is he talking about? Man, he's talking about Jesus. Whom we have heard and seen. Can you imagine hanging out and being with Jesus? We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and what? Touched him with our own hands. That's powerful. I've, gotten, I've had the privilege of traveling around the world, and one of the things I always love to do is to touch ancient things. I went to the synagogue where Jesus taught in Capernaum. And what did I do? Oh, man, you better believe I touched the walls. I said, man, Jesus was here in Capernaum. I went to Peter's house, and I touched it. I said, man, this is, this is amazing. I touched everything I could when I was in Israel. I've been to Europe, and I would touch ancient buildings. I just want to touch it. But can you imagine touching the Son of God with your own hands? Oh, man, don't get me crying now. I'll cry off all my makeup. I don't have any makeup on. 
That's why you can see crow's feet and everything else. And I didn't use moisturizer today, did I? Uh, yeah, I think it came off. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Someone say the word of life. Mm. Oh, he's not done yet. Let's go. This one who is life itself. He said, Jesus, God in the flesh, is life itself was revealed to us. And we have seen him. <laughs> we saw him. We hung out with him. Especially John, right? He was the closest to Jesus. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He's using testify as a legal term there. We affirm and promise you by God Almighty that he is the one who is eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. He what? He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. Beautiful. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Man, very. this is a staggering, staggering account of, I was there, I saw Him, I was there. And you know what's powerful is in the Gospel of John, Pastor Jen is getting ready for the one-day encounter with the ladies this Saturday. And the book of John has some interesting things that are not found in any of the, the other Gospels about when Jesus was crucified and some of the things he said. Why? Because John was right there. Where were all the other disciples? They were hiding. They ran. Um, Peter betrayed Jesus. They may have been at a distance. But we know John was right there because before dying, Jesus said, Hey, John, here's your mother. Jesus was talking about his mom. He's saying, I give, I give you protective rights over my mom. He said, basically, Mom, woman, this is your son. You guys go ahead. Can you imagine he's dying on the cross and he had the presence of mind to take care of his mom? And John wrote all about it. Jesus saying, it is finished. He was there. Someone say he was there. Oh, man. And he goes on to say, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. One translation says, so that our joy or your joy may be complete. You ever miss, been, you ever miss something in life? You, you say, man, I, I just have part of it. It's so much better when it's complete, right? Say, man, I don't know if there's anybody in here who plays chess. chess. I like chess. Been playing it for years. And a chess set is not a chess set if you're missing a piece. It's just not. Checkers, you say, well, we'll get another piece. Well, it doesn't match. And what do you do when you're in the hood and you're missing a chess piece? You get something that will stand on the board and you go, that's the bishop. That's the queen. I like, doesn't look like the queen. Well, just remember what it is. I remember we had to do that. So I'm, I'm, missing, I'm missing a piece of checkers here, and it's worse when it's more than one. It's not complete. It's not the same. They're saying we're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy or that, so that your joy may be complete. This is interesting because the word shalom in the Hebrew, New Testament is written in Greek, but shalom in the Hebrew means nothing missing, completely blessed and fully complete in God, having everything you need. We translate it as peace, but it's so much more than that. Peace means you're not lacking anything. All the good things God has promised, they're there, but that's nothing missing. We're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy or, or so that our joy may be complete. All right, let's move on. This is the message we heard from Jesus. Now, he said, remember, he established the fact that he was an eyewitness. We were there. We heard him. We touched him. We saw him. We saw the things he did. He was a miracle worker. And... This is the message we heard from him and now declare to you. 
God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. Do you ever hear someone saying, well, yeah, I know the Bible says this, but here's what we're going to do. No, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. Someone say none. None. All right. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God. Oh, this is big. I want everybody to listen. We are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. Wow, that happens a lot in modern, modern Christian living. That's why it's a stumbling block to the world. They go, you're a believer? We are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. We as believers should practice the truth. What does practice the truth mean? You walk in truth and you actually live. You live scripture. Are you going to have it all together all the time? No, heavens no. I repented before service tonight. I said, Lord, man, clear me up and clear me out. You got to help me out. I, I hate it when I mess up, Lord. Just work on me. I'm sorry for that. I know that's a sin. I believe it's a sin. I, just help me, Father. I'm sorry. I repent. We're not practicing the truth, though, if we stay in spiritual darkness. But we're going to make mistakes. But guess what? I have some answers here for you. This is good. This, remember, this epistle is written to believers. Someone say believers. Uh-huh. So this is good. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all what? Sin. He's writing to believers. So do believers sin sometimes? Yes. But here, let me, let me make a very, very, very important point. Just because you sin doesn't make you a sinner. We're not practicing sin. I've heard believers say, I'm a sinner saved by grace, and I understand that. But at some point, you become, according to Scripture, you become the righteousness of God. I am a recovered sinner. You are a recovered sinner. You are no longer a sinner, and you're no longer an orphan either. You've been accepted. Scripture says you've been accepted in the beloved, Ephesians chapter 1. You've been accepted into the family of God. Fresh from the grave. You know what Jesus told Mary Magdalene? He said, go tell my brothers. Can you imagine that Jesus would count you as a brother and sister? How can he be our God? And it's the mystery of God. Now you're part of his family. He's God. But he says, I'm going to give you equal privileges with me. You use my name. And God's going to see you as he sees me through the blood of Jesus. Can you imagine being seen as having never sinned? That's what the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world is. Let's read that whole verse again, if you don't mind. But if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all what? Sin. Praise God. Sin. Let's move on. Now, this is important even for believers. If we claim we have no sin... We're not practicing sin, but we mess up sometimes. We're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. I've heard doctrines out there, and it's totally contrary to Bible. You're about to see why. People say, you know what? Once you've accepted Jesus, you don't have to repent of sin anymore. You don't have to confess sin. Really? (laughs) The look on some of y'all's faces. It was not only cute, it was endearing, and I agree. Some of you are going, wait, what? You ain't got to repent of sin no more. You're all, that's not the gospel I got. And good, you're on track. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. I have no sin. Oh, come on, man. 
We're still human. We're not in heaven yet, up in glorified bodies, up in glory yet. But I love this. But if we confess our sins to him, this is written to believers like you and me. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Is that good news? Oh, yeah. Let me read that again. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I don't know about you, but I need that. You ever been through a time, even as a believer, you're like, man, I feel so down on myself. I shouldn't have done that stupid thing again. I shouldn't have said that. I knew it was creeping up, and I had every chance to shut myself up, and I said it. That was so hateful. Or I slipped and said something crazy. Or I told them off, and I shouldn't have. Or we all have different weaknesses. But if we confess our sins. You say, man, I messed up again. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Huh, that's good news. And to cleanse us from all wickedness. All right? Powerful. If we claim we have not sinned, oh, this is, this is kind of big. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. For those who say we don't have to repent of sin anymore, they're calling God a liar. Do you guys see that? This is a letter written to believers. How many believers we got in the house? Mm-hmm house full of believers so if we claim we have not sinned we're calling god a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts so wow boom but let's move on this next verse in chapter two this is fascinating because it ties into that the apostle john is saying now my dear children i'm writing this to you so that you will not sin or so that you will not practice sin okay that would be clearer but if any Look, he goes on to say, though, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. You're going to mess up sometimes, right? There's areas of your life where you're better at now, right? There's areas I don't sin in, but guess what? I still sin. I still make mistakes. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, a lawyer, a mediator, Jesus, right, who pleads our case before the Father. He what? He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Someone say truly righteous. Man, are you grateful for Jesus? Wow. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. He cleanses us of our sins. He, take, he took our place. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Can you imagine dying and going to hell just because you rejected Jesus? I've heard men and women of God saying, it's not a sin problem anymore. It's just, it's just whether people accept the Lord's sacrifice or not. Because he dealt with sin. He de- sin shouldn't send you to hell now once you've accepted Jesus. I mean, those days are done. Because he made you right with God. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world, right? For God so loved the world. All right, let's keep going. And we can be sure that we know him. This is good if we obey his commandments. If you have a desire to obey God's commandments, we know that you know him. You're going to mess up sometimes. But if we obey his commandments and we practice that, we know that you know the Lord, right? Let's keep going. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Man, this, this apostle so full of love, but some of his words, man, they strike the issue right at the heart. Are you with me still? 
You got awfully quiet in here. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. Let's keep going on. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Remember, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you will and I'll give it to you. So it's all about abiding in him. Pastor Jen, for a while, was talking about abiding, staying in the vine, staying in the things of God, staying consistent, staying faithful. This is powerful. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. How did Jesus live his life? What are some things that Jesus did that we are able to do even right now? Give me some good answers tonight. Share the word. Speak the truth in love. What else? Being, being humble. Love people. Loving is attached to forgiveness, right? See, I love you, man, but I'm never going to forgive you. No, that doesn't work that way. Hey, you'd, be, you'd be surprised what people say. I remember one time a guy, he was here years ago. He said, man, I'm so proud of myself that I've become so humble. I was calculating. I was like, my calculations didn't quite add up. Okay. So humility, love, forgiveness, sharing your faith, sharing the word, living the word. What else? What else did Jesus do? Yeah, he turned his cheek. There's times you just don't react. Other times he did react. The Pharisees came talking trash, man, and sometimes Jesus crushed them. But when it was time to give his life, Scripture says he went as a lamb to the slaughter. That'll break your heart. If you love animals, you see a lamb. Uh, they're guiltless, man. The, the lamb hasn't sinned. But we're going to go ahead and take and bleed this lamb out to cover someone's sin. But he was the perfect lamb of God, so he doesn't just cover sin. He takes it away. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. What else did he do? He was a teacher of the word. He's always breaking it down. Always. And I say this again, Scripture talks about this, Scripture explains Scripture, speaking the truth in love. Not for your gain or your benefit, but to love people and give them the truth. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Let's keep going. Dear friends, I love this. I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment to what? To love one another is the same message you heard before. Why is it hard to walk in love sometimes as humans? Anybody? This is a Wednesday night. You can be honest with me. People hurt you. Human flesh is involved. Desires, you're selfish, you're, they get on your nerves, they hurt your feelings. Pride. Say, man, I forgive. Man, they deserve judgment. I'm praying God wipes them out. Christians are crazy sometimes. Even people who love God, they'll say some crazy stuff. I've seen people say stuff. I'm going, no, I don't think we should do that. What else? What else? Why, why is it hard to love people sometimes? How about this? Humans have repetitive behavior. Y'all covered a lot of that already, but People will do the same thing to you over and over and over again, just like you did to your parents growing up. So don't be too holy. Let's be real. I was a great kid sometimes, and sometimes I wasn't. I, I deserved every spanking I ever got. I'll own it. 
got to practice walking in love. It doesn't come naturally to humans. That's how, and you know what? That's how you know Jesus lives in you because your life is transformed. You're loving people when before, man, you were like, man, I don't get mad, I get even, right? Or, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle it right here. I'm going to handle my business right here. I remember dudes in the streets. Man, we handle it right here. Okay. That's great. Love one another. This is the same message you heard before. I want to stop at that verse, but I want to read it again. I don't want to go past 1 John 2, 7 tonight because we're winding down on time. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment to what? To love one another is the same message you heard before. To love people is to forgive them, to give chances. But even with love, you can have boundaries. They're family, man. I got, yeah, but they don't have to show up and drink at your house. That's one, one reason I'm glad I'm a pastor, because people know they don't show up and just, can you imagine they show up at my house with beer? Hey, pastor, ignore me, man. Y'all drink what y'all drink, but I'm going to drink this. Not in my house. You must be confusing me with someone else. Not even the old me did that, so I had other problems. No, not me, not at my house. It'll regrow your hair still. Nope. All that yeast. Nope, not doing it. Out you go, right? I had people, man, that kept cussing in front of me. I gave them one or two, and I was like, oh, man. Finally, I said, hey, would you watch your mouth? It's funny with some people. They go, what? I'm looking around like I missed something. What do you mean, what? What? You just said a cuss word. I've had people tell me to my face. No, I didn't. Okay, well, next time you don't say a cuss word, just don't do it. Or just don't talk. I don't know. Everything's bleep, 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 right? Don't do that. I still love you, but I got a boundary. I've told you guys this for years. That I, I love it and I also cringe sometimes when people are talking all this crazy stuff and their worldly activities and everything they do. And then they go, what do you do for a living? We were sitting around a table on a cruise ship, man, back of the cruise ship on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning of all times. <laughs> Vacation. It was our 10th anniversary. And, man, they, everybody was bragging about drinking and everything else that they did, their exploits. Oh, I was sick. And, man, last night. And, and it's amazing how the stories change as soon as they know what we do. Everybody becomes lawyers. <laughs> no, really. They're, they're like, what do you do for a living? Oh, we're pastors. They're all, oh, er. And everybody's like, I don't always drink like this. Like, it's between, I mean, okay. But everybody has all these fancy drinks, and me and Jen have water, you know, what else we were drinking. We had, actually, we had coffee, coffee and water, like real exciting stuff, right? It depends on the coffee, right? If it's Vagabond, y'all know Vagabond. That's pretty exciting. And you're like this. People are like, after drinking that in church, they're like this. Amen. They're not even listening. But you know what? Even I, here's what I do love, though. I do love that as a pastor, people expect me to speak the truth, usually. So that is, I do have one up on some people. And once they know I'm a pastor, then they feel awful for talking like that in front of me. But I'll tell you the truth right now. You don't have to be a pastor if you're living life as a believer people will start to get convicted about the things they say in front of you. They will. They'll apologize to you. You've seen it at work. I know you have. Like, oh, man, bro, I'm sorry. It's just it happens, man. It just slips out. I'm sorry. 
And then they're telling dirty jokes, and you walk up, and everybody gets quiet. Did I miss something? Oh, no, man. No. That's just how it is. Let them be convicted. Walk in love with people, though. Give people chances. Love them. Love them. Love them. Love one another. This is the same message you heard before. And we never, let me just go back and finish that off, that thought. We never use that to treat people weird or act holier than thou or anything. But it's just always funny, man, especially on that cruise ship years ago. Everybody around us is drinking, and then they start explaining how they don't drink much. And we just treat them with grace. Oh, okay, I'm sure you don't. I mean, why, do, why wouldn't I believe you? Great, let's talk about something else. I mean, I, you're making me feel embarrassed now for you. Just treat people with love. I've been told this before, and I have plenty of flaws. I'll tell you right now. But one thing I do is I'm nice to people at stores. Workers, I don't give them a hard time. I don't argue with them. And one girl told me one day, they, they'd made a big mistake with our order at Albertsons. And she looks at me, and she goes, sir? I go, yes, yes, ma'am. She's a young girl. She said, y'all are so nice. <laughs> I said, oh, it touched my heart. I said, really? Thank you. I, it's just how we treat people. I don't. And she said, you'd be surprised. So, hey, make it, make it a point to walk in love. Make it a point to walk in love. Make it a point to be different because the world is not walking in love. They're talking about hate and intolerance and all this stuff, but they're full of hate themselves and intolerance. See, everybody tolerates everything until you bring up Jesus or that you're a believer. Have you noticed that? Oh, gay is cool. This is cool. And trans is cool. Oh, you're a believer. You're a hater. Well, they hate you. They're actually intolerant. But that doesn't mean you respond with hate or anger. You walk in love. You treat people good. The golden rule is treat others how you want to be treated, right? On that note, love one another. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray. Is there anyone in this house at the sound of my voice that has never accepted Jesus or made him the Lord of their life? If there is... Tonight, you want to walk in love? You want to learn how to walk in love? Well, first step is to accept Jesus. If that's you tonight, raise your hand, and I'm going to pray with you. I believe most of you in here, if not all of you, are believers. But I always need to make sure. Anybody in the house wants to accept Jesus, raise your hand. All right. If you would, as a family, pray with me tonight. It's what we do. It's for the live stream. But just in case, would you just pray with me tonight? For those who have never accepted Jesus, say, Heavenly Father, I believe your word. Without you, apart from you, I'm a sinner. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. Cleanse me, Lord. Forgive me. Say, I confess that Jesus is my Lord. And say, I believe that Jesus died and rose again to forgive my sin and to save me from hell. Thank you, Lord. Say, Jesus, come to live in me. I need you more than ever. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now let me pray a prayer over everyone in this house. Father, I thank you for your people. May the Lord bless and protect you, smile upon you, and be gracious to you, give you of his favor and of his perfect peace. May he give you a revelation of praise and the doors that it opens. May he give you a revelation of forgiveness and walking in love. May he give you a revelation of his word as you seek him 
in that same word. Thank you that your people are already blessed, Lord. Now be with them the rest of this week. Give them favor, open doors for them in Jesus' name. Somebody said.